Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a long two weeks for ridiculous speculation. We've been dealing with some illnesses. And, uh, Robbie, I had no voice. What some people would say improved the show, but I really couldn't do a show until tonight. So we've kind of delayed recording. Plus, it's a hard time of year to get subjects, but luckily Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher has gave us plenty to work with this week. Oh, absolutely. They, uh, you know, like you want, like, especially if you, you know, uh, I drive a lot. I'm sure you know, you, I know you, you drive a lot and you have 84, uh, 1084, the college radio station. And it's like, boom, goes the dynamite saving and Jimbo all of a sudden. So now having nothing to talk about all of a sudden have a whole heck of a lot to talk about. And so, yeah, it was, and pretty much out of the blue, you know, uh, just very interesting about, especially these two going at each other. Two, um, I don't find it unusual that it's them going at it, but it is the timing of it. Uh, first of all, Robbie, let's go back to Saban's comments. He's speaking to some alumni, and I think he thinks he's in a safe environment, but uh, cameras are always on Nick Saban. And he said some very, you know, we've never cheated. Texas A&M paid for every one of those kids. That's rough stuff, man. I mean, that's really throwing it out there. Well, so the thing about Saban is he never says things that aren't calculated to land somewhere. He was talking to his boosters and saying, they think they've got more money than we do and they're paying more money than we've got. If you want this, if you want this dynasty to continue, then you've got to pony up. And what he's saying is we've never cheated because the rules no longer matter. Right. Right. And so he's calling out Jimbo and this is, this is the, this is the, three-dimensional chess part of it. And this is how the NCAA works. Jimbo and Nick were together at LSU. So if they cheated at LSU, guess who gets hit with the sanctions? LSU, not Alabama, not A&M. That's how it works. And so, yeah, so I think it's saving very much saying, look, Look, he's acknowledging A&M with their unlimited resources is a threat, absolutely, to Alabama. And he's saying, Alabama alumni, boosters, I need more money coming in. Don't get happy with what we've done. We've got to keep paying more. All right. That's a good stop starting point there, Robbie. Let's talk – I think a good example of this is Alabama's a very wealthy school. Alabama has a billion dollar uh, endowment, which is huge. A uh, billion dollars to you and I are, is probably out of our reference. But at the same time, Texas A&M has a $30 billion endowment. They have more money coming in than any school probably in the, 
SEC right now. Uh, they have a bunch of very wealthy oil types that want to win. And the money is flowing at Texas A&M, reportedly $26 million for this class. Is Alabama a little outgunned on this facility that even Tennessee, who may have, may have a little more in endowment, are we all outgunned by the Texas and the Texas A&M and USC and so this is this is the interesting piece of the puzzle. This is the be careful what you wish for. Right. The, the SEC wanted the Texas TV markets before it was the Wild Wild West. They got them. And now what comes with that is, yes, practically unlimited resources. Absolutely. Now, now, Alabama alums, Auburn, Auburn, an Auburn alum is Tim Cook from Apple. There's money around. Uh, Tennessee's got alums. We got they got the Haslam's. We got Dish Network. We've got alums too. But I, the people I said for Tennessee, spend- we have one. We have a very good example. We have one family that paid Deshaun Watson two hundred seventy million dollars, not even know if yeah. he's going to play football or not. Yeah, yeah. So there's money in every one of these schools, but not oil money. Like yeah. that's a whole different level of money. And so the people that should be freaking out are your South Carolinas, your Floridas, for example. Florida may have the best recruiting base now, but they don't have the power alums that uh, some of these other schools have that I'm aware of. I haven't, I haven't done a research on list but like, no the game is changing a&m and then texas comes in uh and then what the the one that's going to be in trouble i think that has just been like the grass is greener and they're gonna find out it's not is oklahoma oklahoma's jumping in to a hotbed of competition and they're not ready for it they don't have the ammunition to keep up so Let's let's talk about that. just. We're, I'm using the endowments because it's a it's a starting point. To how much money's being ingested into the school? Yeah. So in the SEC, the clear top, not even close. Uh, by the list I'm reading off of Forbes, is Texas A&M with. Oh, it says on here somewhere. Let me find it. Uh, over ten million. Already an endowment. Ten billion. Billion. Yeah. Billion with a B. Uh Vanderbilt, four billion with a B. Uh then you get into Tennessee, Missouri, Florida, Alabama, all between a billion and a billion and a half. Then you get into uh, Arkansas is just short of a billion. And then a couple of schools are just really lacking at Auburn, $640 million, Ole Miss, $606 million, LSU, and we've all said LSU is a school with not a lot of money, $800 billion. Now, this doesn't reflect money that people are willing to spend on football program, though. Clearly, there's a difference. But when you have 10 times the endowment, you have 10 times the pockets you can go pull from. 
Yeah, it. I mean, <laughs> this is what the floodgates opened. It's a. Uh, it was college football has always been an uneven, uneven level playing field. This is making it. There, I guess it's it's making it the same in a sense, but it's changing the dynamics. Now it's just about money instead of um, location, recruitment, tradition. Um, I think Lane Kiffin said it best in Sports Illustrated. He said, look, you can have the best weight facility, best training facility, but at the end of the day, if the another school can pay you more money, you're going to go there. It's, 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 it's just how the world works. And so the key is, though, now – now the counterbalance, so the other shoes got to drop at some point. But does does the NCAA have at all the the statute stature like the, can they come in and say, hey, we're going to regulate this to only being what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be, or is this just schools paying people? I don't know if they even have that power anymore. All right, so you, you said something I want to talk about a little bit. Were the NCA so unprepared for a name, image, and likeness that they didn't realize what was – so let's let's make this example, and I think this is fair. Robbie, you can derail me or not. Um, what the NCA perceived name, image, and likeness is going to be, uh, players could make na- money off of video games. Players could sell Cadillacs for the local Cadillac dealer and players could sell jerseys and make money. And they thought this would be a small pool of money. A, a huge, a, a big player, a star player could make seven figures easily. Now, what it's turned into, I think, is these pseudo sports agents. Uh, Tennessee has one inspired sports group. Yeah who is paying the money up front to the recruits before they ever play a down of football. And they're saying, we're going to invest in you now and we're going to make money on the backside. We're going to guarantee your money. And then the name imaging, imaging likeness money will offset what we're guaranteeing. Basically it's sports agents by another word. Yeah. So my take on this is there's two options, right? And there's only two options. Right. Option one is they were just completely incompetent. They being the NCAA, their lawyers were incompetent. They just did they just didn't know what they were doing and they got blindsided. Um because to go up to the Supreme, like, for instance, we we win or lose a case, we outsource it to appellate lawyers, appellate lawyers due to the Court of Appeals, then we outsource to uh, brief riots to the Supreme Court. So either these, the NCAA lawyers were so stupid that they just didn't see it coming, and then they just complete to get beat nine to nothing in the Supreme Court is unheard of. Or the other, so they either, they were either completely incompetent, or the second one is they thought they may lose and they just gambled and they just went for it and they just said it's been a good run, let's roll the dice and then we go for it and then they just lost and now it's just like hey Mark Emmert stepping down, 
And so maybe that's it. Maybe they just said, hey, let's roll a dice, and we just lost. All right, Brandon Chain, welcome. I'm a few minutes late, but this is an improv. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of discussing the Saban uh, uh, Jimbo feud, but we're also into the name, image, and likeness. And the question I asked Robbie was, was the NCAA – did the NCAA – did they know what name, image, and likeness was going to be like, or were they just ignorant to that the first thing was going to happen would be pseudo agents uh, working to recruit players? Your school suffered one of the, the to me, one of the hugest early blows in this with Quinn, uh, yours, signing with Ohio State, getting a million-dollar first-year name, image, and likeness. Don't think he played it down. After he gets his million dollars for his, he had two plays. Yeah, two plays. Five hundred a piece. He heads back to Texas. So basically, he went up there, made a million dollars, and he's back competing for Texas as starting quarterback right now. Yeah, well, it's like we've said from the beginning. I mean, they they threw this thing out there with, I mean, little to no rules or regulations whatsoever. Um, It's a free for all right now. so, and, you know, you're supposed to not use the NLI to recruit, which is the whole Jimbo Fisher saving feud right now. But there's no real guidelines on that. And, yes, that's exactly what you do to recruit players, and there's loopholes through that. And because it's such a weak uh, written rule, uh, I mean, people are exploiting that. And, and they should. I mean, look, these players should get paid whatever people think they're worth. It, it's the same thing. Like, I'm not going to fault anyone for going into a job and making what they can make because that company thinks they're worth that. Uh, I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. The problem and the issue is wh- what we're going to see, and it's going to be really hard for the NCAA to come back to and regulate these kind of rules because they're so it, – it, it just took off so fast and there's so many uh, loopholes through this. Um, you, you just can't – you can't stop it right now. It's like a, you know, a wildfire in California. Like you just can't even contain it. So um, it's going to continue to happen. And, you know, like we, we've said many times on the show, the NCAA really – I mean, what power do they have? Um, little to none at this point, especially in college football. Robbie, uh, to Brandon's point, I think the best thing that happened to the University of Tennessee, and I sat here with a Tennessee uh, hat and shirt on, once word of the supposed not proven but very well-documented $8 million to Nico Amalavueta, whatever his last name is, Nico, was in the public eye, Tennessee's been able to pretty much get any five-star on campus that they want to get on campus for at least a visit. That's, it's the best advertisement the University of Tennessee's ever had. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, there's a reason why we people go to Vegas. There's the, and there's the hope of free money. That's what these kids are getting. Like, yeah, like, hey, I'll absolutely go there because they've got money. That's the whole point of it. Like, I have a good 
and they want to pay me for my service. So yeah, so I'm I'm going there. Like I I, I want to see what how much they have to offer, and and you know for for better or for worse, um, I think it's going to be for worse because it's so unregulated. But um, I want I, I've said this a hundred times. I I'm all for the kids getting paid. Yes, they are at they're putting their life at risk. Get paid. Um, the unregulation of it, I think, is is dangerous. Da- not dangerous for them, but just dangerous for like kids making bad mistakes. But um, yeah, I mean, it, yes, if you if if we like Texas A and M, they had a thirty million dollar recruiting fund. Guess what? They 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 landed the number one recruiting class in the country because there's Best thirty million dollars around. Best recruiting class in the history of college football. Yeah, that, and that's that's what pissed Saban off so bad because yeah. he he is a control freak and he could not control this because you know when you level a playing field, Texas has more money and more donors and and they can actually compete now, uh, and, and that's why he threw that little hissy fit that he did, and you know this is. I, we're still in the, in the middle of this whole thing and there's going to be a bell curve here. Um, and it's a free for all right. Now. Well, I, 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 prediction, reckless speculation, Alabama has a $40 million fund next season. Texas A&M has a $50 million fund next season. And the meanwhile, Spire sports has done publicly said they're trying to build a hundred million dollar rolling four year fund for the university of Tennessee. That's almost like having a salary cap, Robbie. We've got $100 million to spread over four years. Well, Nico gets eight. Uh, we need a stud wide receiver. He's going to get two. We need five linemen there. He's going to get 500000 Hey, we need a five-star defensive end. He's going to get six. It almost becomes salary cap football in college football. Mm-hmm. It does what I fear, um, and I'm not this type of attorney, and so I won't get rich off of this, but I think a lot of the attorneys that do this are going to get rich. There's going to be trials and there's going to be lawsuits, and you're going to have people tied up in litigation because these kids, look, pick the school for where you want to go, where you think you can go to make professional money, that's regulated and get that contract because that's the contract that matters. These college contracts, it is a wild, wild west, and there's going to be litigate. You're going to be tied in depositions, and there's going to be a lot that goes on that's going to go uh, south. Um, these kids making decision and this money thrown around, and this is look. The NBA didn't didn't make the rule. It's one and done because they cared if kids went to college or not. They made that rule because they didn't want their scouts going to high school gyms. That's it was just a convenience thing. The NFL keeps their three years removed from high school because it's convenience. They want to see how they can make. They don't want to take unnecessary risk. Now you're playing with all these games in college, all this money, transfer portal contracts. You play two years here, you get this kind of money. Look, and sometimes these are 17-year-old kids signing these contracts or their parents signing it for them. There's a lot of litigations coming with this, man. The uh, And I got some 
direct point questions I'm going to ask after this one, but this you led into the first question. The first major lawsuit, the first test of this, is the first athlete that signs an NIL that does not receive the money, Robbie. Um, yeah, well, so I can't exp- express how complicated this is going to be. So how old is the kid? Did the parents on the contract, the kids on the contract, what's the consideration? The consideration is to play for so Brandon knows this for construction purposes. He builds houses. It's consideration for the contract. So you're going to build the house. You when you start to build, when you if you don't start at all, what when is when's the the certain click points that come along with this? It's all going to be super complicated. And yeah, if you have, if you're Arch Manning right now and you're a 17 year old, promise me all the money in the world. And then yeah, I. I'll see you when I get on campus. Brandon, and I feel like I'm speaking as a Tennessee fan, and you're an Ohio State fan, but I'm going to speak to you in a generality as a Tennessee fan right now. Schools that have not been very good but have financial resources are going to turn their programs around really fast. Absolutely. And that's, that's the first notable thing that you see coming out of this between that and the transfer portal. Um, Cause let's, let's be honest, reckless speculation, you know, colleges have been playing players for years and decades. So if we sit on here, deny that we're denying the existence. Yeah, let, let's just get that out. Now. And then now it's actually legal and people with more money um, and lesser programs have a chance to compete. And, you know, it levels the playing field. Like, it, it's it's chaos right now. It, it kind of reminds me, of, you know, Bitcoin early. Like, get in early, make as much money as you can before all the regulations come down and, you know, blow up the whole entire thing. Because then, who knows, there, there might be base salaries. It could be salary capped. It could be, you know, whatever. To Robbie's point, you know, whether your parents signed a contract and now you're of age and you can make your own decisions. And then you have the transfer portal on top of that, you know, play here for a year, get – you know, half your money. There, there's so many variables there. Um, it, it, you know, just sit back and watch this ride because it, it's going to be a, a fiasco. Uh, and but to the kids now, I mean, go get your money while you can because it's it's early where there's no rules, and if you can get paid, go ahead. Robbie, how do you put the genie back in the bottle after this, though? Well, the only way to put it back in the bottle is for a league or a few leagues to say, hey, bye-bye NCAA. We're starting our own own league, essentially, and this is our salary cap. This is what we're going to do. And that, and, and I mean, I don't know how it doesn't get to that. I just, I like, I'm, I've tried to think about it. Like, how is this sustainable? How is this like, how, like, like, Oregon has more money than almost any university, um, you know, at least top 10. 
they're going to be left out of this thing, guys. Like, unless unless there's a new formation of league, and say we're going to we're going to salary cap it because look, the Pac-12 networks, the TV did like they did them a disservice, and they can't compete money wise. The Big Ten and the SEC are. The dominant players, they've got the most money to spread to their schools, and what they say is going to go. All right, out west is USC and, and, and Oregon on the fringe with the financial ability to do it. But I, I think, I think a school like UCLA, that's a public university now, would struggle. But California has a salary cap. Uh, almost system in place. It's it's in legislature, Robbie, where all the revenues for every sport is split 50-50. But basically, it's dependent on you getting a degree. Does this help or hurt, or is this going to destroy Title IX? To me, what California is doing right now is saying, we're going to split this with everyone if you're a rower, you're going to get money. A girl softball player, you're going to get money. Are you just going to get rid of all the sports that's not revenue generating? The study that I read says like a USC football player who gets a degree within six years could earn somewhere around $400,000. Is <laughs> But that from, from whom? From the school, the school. Yeah, but, but, but this is not name, image, and life. So no, this is a different bill. So that Dr. Would Gray could come in, and pay nope. two million dollars, and you would say, "Hey, this is the tree part. Hey, I don't want your USC money. Your fifty thousand dollars a year. I want the Dr. Dre um, football scholarship for five million dollars a year. Yeah. And then, so I don't need that. And you can go pay, so." Yeah, like this. This is, and this is what we keep saying to Wallace. Like, it's extremely complicated because they didn't foresee this at all. And like, so yeah, you have, so for under, and this is, I'm not a Title Nine expert, but essentially they have to give men and women equal scholarship money and support for the program. No, no, no not support programs. Uh, equal money as far as scholarships. Yes. So if all the men, say the football team, say we're not taking any scholarships, we're doing it all NIL, then they can increase the women's revenue by that much. And does that, but that also would violate Title IX because the men aren't getting the same way. So, but it's who's there to sue. It, it's. <laughs> It, it, it's very complicated. <laughs> I can't tell you how much of a cluster F it is. Well, it's it's to this point, title when you add Title IX into this, and we won't make this about Title IX, girls' basketball has more scholarships than boys' basketball. Girls' softball has many more scholarships. Men's baseball, which I, I would probably say may be the third most popular sport. I, I think men's baseball and women's basketball would compete there. There's only 11.3 scholarships for 25 players, so you're 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 actually right. getting baseball because players on campus without a full scholarship. 
Well, because there's not a women's football team. So you have absolutely three scholarships to make up on the women's side. So you have to have more softball players, more volleyball players, all that to make up for that. Yes. So now you get into to uh, Tennessee brought in five players during the offseason as walk on, but everybody, these are scholarship players that left Division I programs Nebraska, Georgia Tech. They're not on scholarships at Tennessee, but they're on name and image and likeness. Mm-hmm. Is that going to, as you said, is could that be the next wave? You're not even on scholarships. Are you not even a student at the university? Would that matter to you? Uh, a player that is not a student representing the University of Tennessee. Brandon? I, I think that's a little bit far-fetched. I think you have to at least be a student there. Um, but to your point, uh, NIL is going to dominate this Title IX situation. Like, Title IX is pretty much irrelevant. And, I mean, females have just as much opportunity to get NIL now as as the males. And that's that's going to be the new, you know, scholarship per se. So, I, I, I mean, this is just – it's crazy what's going on. And I don't see how they didn't understand that this was going to happen, um, NCAA, because of – how many times people have been caught paying players and you know we all like we said before we all know it's always gone on and these boosters now it's a free-for-all they can write a check as much as they want i mean you can go down to your local nissan dealership and get a new car and you know 200 grand uh to come sign with tennessee so it's there's no regulation on it and it's going to continue to be not salary cap, like who has the most money. It does level the playing field per se, but it's uh, man, we, we've got a little ride here to see. Well, well, and look, we're not very far from saying, like, Texas AM, for example, hey, give me 35. If I'm the coach, give me 35 million dollars, mm-hmm. I will get my. I'll give. I'll take. I'll get fifty-three scholarship players, and then that other thirty-five million dollars, I'll round out my roster with my paid players, and that's the squad I'm putting forward on on the team. Very close. That's yeah. That math may not be exact, but that's what I'm thinking. If I'm like, hey, yeah, exactly, yeah. There's, there's no rules against that. I mean, you build right. that yeah. kitty. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You build that kitty with your boosters, and you know you're it, like, it, all right, I'm gonna hey, or, or you say, hey, for fifty million, uh, I'll give you the banner around the scoreboard for the Absolutely. season, and then there you go. That, that's not, what college sports is doing. It's yeah. not long until we'll be playing in Pilot's Neyland Stadium at Pilot Field. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's what's next. All right, Rob, before we kind of leave this long, let's hit the transfer portal for a minute. Uh, And I think a new – even that has been – a little shutter was sent through the transfer portal with the Jordan uh, Addison transfer from Pitt to USC, a $3.5 million 
NIL is the rumor. Uh, what I thought was to the point was that there was two Pittsburgh wide receivers left the city of Pittsburgh. How did It's a great question, Randall. Yeah. Uh, got more money than Juju Smith-Schuster, who left the Steelers to go to Kansas City versus Addison leaving the Panthers and going to USC. Is the transfer portal now free agency? Oh, 100%. And then, but, you know, so this is, this is the thing that we don't know yet, right? So we don't know, like the NFL, these contracts are made public. Like this $3.5 million, what are the terms and conditions of this? Like, do they have to go? Does he have to play the full season? Is it just a recruiting number? Like, I, like, yes, to be, to answer the question, it is still free agency. And yes, it, there's money going to be thrown at these kids. But I just wonder what the actual terms and conditions are of these contracts. Well, the man, the myth, the USC man himself has walked in. Rod, Jordan Addison, $3.5 million NIL, rumored the pit coach begins shooting, shooting flares at USC from day one. Is this free agency in college football? Absolutely. And Narduzzi and sour grapes. Uh, there was no evidence of anything else. I mean, I'd be bummed too, but then I'd realize I live in Pittsburgh. Uh, Addison is the Bolitnikov winner. He's getting three, three and a half. Uh, didn't I am Mayaba, who's not even the top ranked quarterback, get eight million as a freshman? Um, I think it's getting blown out of proportion, but yes, it does seem like the rich are getting richer. Uh, there's tons of natural advantages to Los Angeles. Again, whether it be Hollywood, the best film school, Dre, Jimmy Iovine, and obviously the second biggest media market in the country. Uh, I'm pretty happy about it. But yes, I'm, I am wondering when constraints are going to happen because admittedly they need to happen. There's no doubt. Well, Robbie, uh, Saban come up on the wrong side of this one also. Addison was out throwing with uh, Bryce Young at one point, rumored to Alabama. Again, it's three and a, if three and a half million is not in the play in play there, you you got to think his chances to win a national title is better at Alabama. His title for uh, his chances to get to the NFL is probably better at Alabama, as good as USC is. But that three and a half million makes a big difference. And Matt, uh, you're a friend. not to Alabama. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> I don't think they could match it. No, no. And like I said before, look, Nick Saban's comments were to an audience of one, and they were to the boosters of Alabama. You got to pony up more money. That's that that like the game has just changed. A and M is coming in with a lot of money. You guys have to pay up too. All right, guys, I want to go on to uh, another subject that revolves around this real fast. And, and we don't have to stay on this one a long time. But I want to talk about some comments I heard Josh Heupel make at a alumni function. 
And, and when Josh Hobble was asked about the NIL, he said, all we're hearing is the negative side of it. He said, I want to ask you a question. And I'm going to ask this panel the same question. I forget the way he said it exactly, but how many negative stories are you hearing about college players right now? Arrest. Kicked off a campus. Bad things to star players. Compared to the years past. And when he asked that question, everybody kind of looked around at each other. Robbie, I can tell you right now, I've heard nothing on the negative home front. Very little. Um, yeah, do you want me to be do you want me to be cynical about that? Go ahead. Um, yeah, because these people writing those checks want their return on the investment. I mean, if you don't think that uh let's say Jim Haslam writes a check to a quarterback in Knoxville. That quarterback gets arrested. You don't think he has some say-so in what's reported? Absolutely he does. And so, yeah. So, Plus, pay for a yeah. handler, you know, like have somebody yeah. checking them at all times. Yeah, no, no, no. Like the, the, the power players that be, once their money is officially on the table and they can sue to get it back, yeah, no, they're, they're going to be protected. Is so, there any credence, if I may, real quick? A lot of players were superstars in high school, that things came easy to them. They thought they could, they were invincible, could do whatever they want. Is there an element uh, where it's more business-like to them? Maybe kids are more interested, invested, uh, serious about playing, you know, working out in free time versus doing other stuff. I don't that know. Was- that's just a theory. That was Hobble's point. Is he felt like uh, girls are even, always undefeated in college. <laughs> true. He said that though that even as a twenty year he used so Hayden Hooker as an example. As a twenty one year old man, Hayden Hooker now owns a business which is hated Hayden Hooker Enterprises. He knows that damage to that NIL is damage to his money. Is there more responsibility given to these young men to keep their name clean, to keep their image clean? That's a good point. That's a good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely there is. Now, you know, it was a it was a chance to, you know, go to a D one school and and try and make it to the NFL. Now you can get paid um, right out of high school. And so people are getting serious, I think, a lot a lot earlier now. And, and keeping their nose clean. It's it's crazy, man. This is like NFL on steroids with no salary cap and and boosters that have endless funds that can just write checks to to get the best team. So, you know, I I don't know how, like you said earlier, they're going to put the genie back in the bottle um, because where do they stop and, you know, who's in that transitional period? when they do stop to, to lose money and what legal uh, action are they going to take at that point? I mean, it's, it's crazy right now. I, I have no idea. 
I just want to know what my recruiting budget is going to be on NCAA 2023 whenever it comes back out. That's I don't know, but that's, that's, that's the cash cow that has not even hit the market yet. That's going to be humongous. And can you negotiate NIL deals? That'd be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, all right. One last question about Saban. And then we'll move on, and we'll talk a little bit about Steve Kerr's comments, too. Did Saban not publicly say at the beginning of last year at the SEC media days, his exact quote was, hey, I've got a quarterback making seven figures, not even through a pass in a game. Is this sour grapes? Because last year he didn't have a problem in the world throwing out that Bryce Young already making seven figures. Not played it down. I mean, did, to me, it's almost like, okay, we're going to play this game. Oh, we got passed. Now we want to flip field world organized. And he used the word parity. That is the word that really bothered me. Robbie, they've not been parity in college in decades. So, Saban is, I mean, look. He's he's the greatest, and I give him all the credit that he's he's earned. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is complaining about the system that is allowing people to catch up to him. Um, the same way he complained about oh, the spread offenses and this hurry up offense. Look, he adapted to that. I think right now, though, in this moment of time. Not and I will never doubt that he could adapt. I think he's just at the age he doesn't want to adapt. He wants one more championship and then to be gone. And then uh, he's pissed that uh, Kirby beat him this year. And then Jimbo's coming in. Like, there's just look like at some point, man, like you've been great long enough and you've created these monsters and they're coming for you and you just can't stay on top forever. So maybe he wins one more. I, I think his next one will be his last. All right, guys. I want to get a prediction. Each one of you, I want you to take a second and think about this. What is – I'll give you one. I'll give you my, my, my reckless speculation. From everything I've read, Clemson is kind of a non-participant in this. I will make my prediction even more than Saban. This is going to get Dabo. And Clemson will be the first program that we see significant slide in over non-NIL issues. Rog, what, what would you like to throw out there? I don't know. I mean, Clemson, I believe, is a private school. Or no, is it public? It's public. Regardless, they uh, there's not much more important in Clemson, South Carolina than football. Um, I think they will do whatever it takes to win again. I believe they have a lot of returning starters coming back, guys that were injured last year, including the entire defensive line, I think. Yeah, um, I, I think they'll be fine this year. I'm talking yeah. about more of a five-year um, recruiting maybe, line. You know, maybe they're getting their uh, – coalition i can't recall the term together and they don't need it right now um point is 
he can go into your living room and get a five-star kid, he'll be able to help get a kid over and get NIL discussions. Those boosters have a ton of money. Again, not too many things to focus upon aside from Clemson football. And uh, yeah, I, I can't see, I don't know why he would be excluded as opposed to the other uh, high power recruiters, if you will. He seems very anti-NIL. His comments are very anti. He's not dumb, you know, get on board or get left behind at the station, but you're right. Maybe it's because he didn't start out well, but that doesn't mean they won't, you know, not finish per se, but end up doing fine. I mean, I just, he's such a great recruiter. Uh, Unless Venables did all the dirty work, and then we'll see everybody go to Oklahoma. I, I feel like if you're anti-NIL at this point, then that means lack of funds. Because if you're a great recruiter and you have the means at your disposal, I mean, this is a field day for you. Like, why would you, why would you not finish in the top five? I mean, it, it just it doesn't make sense. I mean, it, it's a free-for-all. So I think people that are anti-NIL might, might be more towards, like Robbie said, savings comment, kind of like a, a wake-up call for the boosters, uh, like get your wallets out. We, we've got to compete here. All right, Robbie, drive us home here. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as Dabo goes, look like – he, he obviously doesn't like it. He doesn't like the way the transfer portal. He doesn't like the NIL. He doesn't really like college football right now. And so regardless of your boosters, regardless of your scheme, can you sell a kid and their family on something you don't like? And that's a complete opposite of what he was before this he was this happy-go-lucky i love this sport now he hates it and so you can't hide that and no no amount of money can change that and so i'm with you randall i think clemson falls back down not because of the coaching ability but because of the heart behind the coach uh I think there's going to be some there's going to be some very good coaches that are just would rather not coach than deal with this. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Dabo ends up in the NFL. Carolina especially if uh what's his face? Uh, the Baylor coach doesn't make it. Uh Matt Rule. Yeah, well, I mean, there's I mean, certain school. Sorry, Alabama I just don't see always- his happy go lucky aw shucks attitude going well over with pros, but I guess he's coached NFL teams for all intents and purposes. So yeah, that's essentially what we're saying. The NCAA is pro now. It it may not work at any level. All right, before we move on, well, we're going to move on a little bit. I just want to hit a couple of other subjects. One, I want to talk, and I know you guys have been following it a little closer than I have. We really didn't uh, set up anything about it, but the NBA playoffs are kind of winding down. Uh. Have has your attention been drawn in now, or is it to the point where you're bought in on every game to the end now, Robbie? No, um, I try to get into it. The 
and this is like the seven game series, I think, are just too much. If we're not hot, we just mail it in. It's been blowout after blowout after blowout. I know some people have disagreed with me. I don't, I haven't found that entertaining yet. Um, maybe the finals would be better, but no, uh, I watch them. But I don't. I not a single game has caught my interest from start to finish yet. Shane, I know every night you're on, you're on the group text, kind of throwing some picks out there. Is this just uh, you're spending some time interested for uh, for making a few stars, or are you watching the games? I'm definitely watching, um, but more because I'm, you know, financially invested. Uh, I'll try to make it interesting because of that. You people in Tennessee with your freedoms. <laughs> uh, you know, I enjoy it. To, to be honest, I know there's been blowout after blowout. Uh, and there's been some that, you know, you, you think you're about to be a blowout. And the second half, you know, I've seen 20-point leads, you know, get caught up and beaten in the second half. So, it's NBA, and it gets a lot closer towards the finals. I know these have been so lopsided with, you know, one team at home blowing out the other team, and it's not, you know, the norm per se, but I'm still interested in it. I'm watching, um, and, yeah, I, I'm trying to enjoy what I can because there's not much else on to watch right now. All right, Mr. NBA Rods, Lincoln Rally for president. Uh, no, because I'm a purist. And number one, as a Laker fan, Golden State versus Boston is just about the worst thing ever. Like Robbie said, you know, I, I think Miami is mainly get in. Tyler Harrow's not going to play tonight. You know that if this is game seven, those guys are going. And there's been too many times superstars have sat out. Um, one thing about Boston and, you know, your boy Grant Williams, they play defense, and that's nice to see. Grant Williams has changed the game. He and Robert Williams have neutralized Adebayo, Bam Adebayo, um, and, and I respect that. This is the most fun basketball to watch? No, but I'd rather watch that than Golden State shoot 38 threes because uh, mm -hmm. that's not basketball to me. One thing about Golden State, oddly enough, I respect this team more. Uh, and I'm not going to say they bought free agents because as a Laker fan, we, I get struck by lightning. Uh, but, you know, they didn't, yeah. they, they didn't hire a ringer like Durant, you know, AD, LeBron. They aren't ringers. Uh, that team was already a world champion, and I'm so glad they lost. But this team, Jordan Poole, you know, Wiggins. Clay. Uh, yeah, I mean, traded for Wiggins. Wiseman's hurt, but uh, Jordan Poole's been amazing. But then – uh, Green, Draymond, Curry, they all came up through the system. And I actually respect that in a weird way. Will I watch the finals? Probably not unless you assure me that they both can lose. They won't both lose. I can assure you. Damn it. You're going to watch well, I'll give you, the, I'll give you some picks. So yeah, just for money. All right, no, one, one, one more around the table real fast, and then we'll talk about Steve Kerr's passing and passionate plea um, and try not to 
stray too far, but I have watched more college baseball in the last week, several conference tournaments. SEC was rained out the other night. I found myself watching the Big 12 tournament. And is college baseball finding a niche finally? Or is it just that Tennessee's number one and I'm I'm finally paying attention? But it seems like more national press, more more attention on college baseball over the last year. Robbie, uh, are you like me? Or are you just bought in because Tennessee's number one? Or are, are they a little more attention? Um, yeah, so I am like you. I'm more bought in because Tennessee is in the mix. But you are 100% correct. It is just because Tennessee is in the mix. This is not a there, – there's no movement. There's, there's not – like, look, the, the, the only movement – in sports right now is the NFL is taking over more and more. Like I, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the NFL didn't try to move their draft to March. Like they are cocky, they're aggressive and they're, they're moving on things right now. And NFL already in season, already practicing. Oh, well, no. And, and, and uh, Raj and I both shared the same uh, thing. Like, the lowest NFL game is higher than the highest NBA game, which was on Christmas. And this year coming up, NFL's taking over Christmas just to just like literally just to <laughs> smack you guys down. Like it, it's it's just, it, it's unnecessary. But Insult it's just, to injury. Yeah, that's beating a dead horse. <laughs> it's unnecessary, but they're just doing it. Like, NBA, get down. <laughs> I I'll, I'll watch all football, no NBA. Yeah, of course we all will. We, yeah. oh, everyone will. It's the best product in the world right now. Yeah, I mean you can't com- can't even compare it. All right, guys. Uh, Robbie's you- right, by the way. Uh, it's a regional thing, and they've got great players, and I'm sure they're fun to watch. But most people could care less. On ESPN, yeah. you still got to find college sports, and on a drop down, and way over to the right, and then maybe you see it. Um, yeah, I get it. I'd be stoked too if I were you guys. They play great baseball. They have some serious arms. I wish them the best, but no. Nowhere else do people really care, uh, uh, yeah. save for when their team is good. I mean, really. that, he got, and Tennessee's really good. The, their yeah. pitcher got national attention. He threw like 104, 105 mile an hour or whatever. That, that made the big headlines, ESPN and all that. And, you know, that drew some attention. Um, but did I watch a game? <laughs> I'll let yeah. you know he's about the seventh pitcher on the team too at best. Yeah, yeah they're loaded. They got three yeah. shutdown dudes, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean the all-American team. It's was, like uh, Chapman back in the day, dude, yeah. Yeah. gas closer. All right, yeah. guys, I, I don't know fully how to address this, but we got to address it because I think Steve Kerr did something that was. And I don't want my opinion to get out there because. I am pro-gun while I am pro-controlling it. But Steve Kerr made a passionate, correct plea, I think. Um, Sometimes sports has a heart. We all know what happened in Uvalde, Texas. And uh, as a dad, I'm struggling even to talk about it right now because I cannot process it. And I, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys were old enough to remember Columbine, but this... 
this feels worse than Columbine just because of the age of the children. When, um, what did you think of Steve Kerr uh, statement and did he use his platform in the right way? And um, let me say, I think he did. If you have an opinion, you have that platform, you use it every now and then for the good. Uh, I'll start, Robbie, you, we'll start with you. Yeah, so um, we have this platform, whether it's two people watching or seven people or 700 or 7,000 or however much it grows to. Um, but I think we have an obligation to say what we feel. Um, I am an attorney. Um, I respect the Constitution. I respect the Second Amendment, and it says that they have a right to bear arms. You do not have a right to bear assault rifles that police are scared to go into to fend off. And we're talking about kids. And I'm the only one on here that's 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 not a father. But just watching that, watch the news say it's horrible. I can't imagine what y'all go through. Like it's awful. And something has to be done. And it's like assault rifles have to be banned. And background checks and just simple things that keep people from killing innocent people. Like, it's like I, I would go further if I could, but I don't want to for this instant. I want to it to be simple, common sense gun control. And It's just horrible. So, yeah, I think everything Steve Kerr said was correct. His dad was killed in 1984 by two gunmen. So he knows gun violence. And it's horrible. It's got to stop. Um, very well said, Robbie. Very well said. Uh, Brendan, would you like to add anything? Because, again, Robbie... I, I do think you said something very valid. We have a forum and we're blessed to have that forum. And for us not to speak would be uh, an injustice on our part. And I congratulate you for having the courage to bring this subject up to me today. So, Brendan, um, please share your feelings. I, I definitely um, respect and agree with with your opinion on that, Robert. Um, the one thing I struggle with a little bit is I don't necessarily think it's just assault rifles. I mean, I think gun control is a bigger issue. I mean, this guy was locked in a room for over an hour or whatever. Um, I mean, he could have done that with a knife or a handgun. Or it didn't have to be an assault rifle. Now, that's the big you know, picture. Everyone comes in with an AR and that's the first thing uh, 
you know, everyone wants to ban. Um, but here's the thing, you know, you can, you can ban an assault rifle and who, who says he doesn't come in with a shotgun or, you know, five handguns or a grenade or, you know, there's some mental issues there too that, that are evident and, and could have been prevented in some of the things that I've read um, and signs that I, that were, were out there that were kind of ignored, but gun control has to happen. There, there's gotta be something there, better background checks. I mean, his parents had no idea he was even had a gun or could buy a gun or had, I mean, how does that even happen? Like something has to change. Um, you know, obviously, and, and I don't even care. Just do something. Even if it's wrong, try something. Cause we're not doing anything like let's just do trial and error. Like try something and see what happens. If it doesn't work, then go back to the drawing board, but try something. Don't just sit here and say, Oh, I'm sorry. We we're praying for your families tonight when nothing happens. Like, uh, I mean, I, my daughter doesn't know about it and I'd be like, I don't want her to hear about it because it, it like freaks me out. Like that could happen. Like it's just, I can't even imagine how those families feel. I mean, you send your kid to school. Um, Rod. Yeah, I think. Brandon makes a good point, but, you know, I believe Robbie was alluding to the fact that when you have automatic and semi-automatic weapons, they're designed for one thing and one thing only, and that's mass casualties in a short period of time at one moment. And yes, it could have been a shotgun or anything else, but I doubt that, well, this kid was in there for an hour, and this begs the question about the local response, but we don't want to get into that. Uh, you know, one would think that in most situations, less casualties would occur with a shotgun or shotgun, or I can't believe I'm talking about this, but versus an automatic weapon. Um, the United States has, and we don't want to get down this path too much, but since Sandy Hook Elementary, where 26 people died and 20 of them were kids between the age six and seven, there's been 2,654 mass shootings in the U.S. Mass, I believe, is defined as maybe three or more. I don't know the technicality. Regardless, um, and the amount of school shootings, there's been over 200 mass shootings this year. Uh, we tend to hear about the most innocent situations, which is appropriate. Kids going to school, people going to church, elderly people buying groceries. Um, it, it's, it's beyond comprehension. Unfortunately, it's a matter where there's a ton of money involved. And I agree with Steve Kerr, who, yes, he does have a past. And he's spoken about this different times. And he essentially said, I'm so tired of offering condolences. I'm tired of the moments of silence. And he called out Mitch McConnell and some other senators that, you know, there has to be constraints. This kid turned 18. He already had a, uh, I think the quote was, a clear mental health 
clear need for mental health resources on his 18th birthday. First of all, that should be a flag, red flag, because that's pretty eager. He buys two semi-automatic or automatic weapons. Why is that so easy? Is, is the only amount of discretion age? Like when you're 17 and 364 days, it's not appropriate. You, you can't handle it. But the next day, hey, you can do this. You know, even the right to marry has some, you know, in many religions, you meet beforehand. It, it's not an instant right per se. That's a bad uh, analogy, admittedly. But, you know, driving is a privilege, not a right, which is, you know, less powerful to the human being. And it requires you know, a period of, of training of X amount of months and then two examinations prior to being able to drive a car. But, you know, anybody can go buy a gun. And, you know, I read a statistic that the United States is over 120 and a half guns per every 100 residents in the U.S. The second closest country is Yemen at half of that. And that's like basically a very volatile area an area like Canada per 100 people that's all rural, a lot more hunting and whatnot, you would think. Uh, I believe they have 34. Obviously, this is a much bigger issue. There's a lot of money involved, clearly. Kudos to the people that backed out the musicians, Don McLean, uh, Lee Greenwood, I think. I'm not sure who else. But yeah, this is no longer a political you know, staging point for you know, anti, you know, they're stealing my rights type thing. It's an issue of humanity. And, you know, I do have a child and yet yeah, it does hit a little differently, but I think anybody that's a human being can find this appalling. I mean, not even, it's unfathomable. And the rest of the world, you know, when I talk to cousins in England and India, wherever they may be, they just, they don't understand it. They absolutely don't. And really neither do I. And again, we don't want to go down the political uh, trail, so to speak. But, you know, Steve Kerr is just speaking from a human being's perspective. He, he's not using his platform. He said, I'm not talking about basketball right now because it doesn't matter right now. And it, and yeah, it was... doesn't. And I agree entirely with mm -hmm. everyone else. I have a Robert, question. Did you have something you wanted to follow up? Oh, Brandon, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, why do we have more protection on like banks and in places with money than we do our children, you know, our children? Like, you know, the government can have enough funds to, to send policemen or security guards with weapons to guard their money. But we can't, you know, especially in times like this, when we know this is happening and know it can happen. Why is that not an option? Just throwing that out there. You know, politics aside, this has nothing to do with well, politics. This is, this is like banks protecting... Don't, banks don't actually have money. You can't go to a bank and say, I'm going to cast a $15,000 check. And there's there's not there's not that money there. That makes it even worse. Then why do they have no, so no, much no. more security? So there, there, no, there are no risk of being robbed. But and then why do they have more security than respectfully that's just a band-aid uh it's just another person dead they have been responses from security guards and whatnot you, you know the best trained individuals are going to be out on the streets uh, unfortunately an armed you security know, guard is probably an unqualified person 
you know, yeah. we, in the you matter of humanity, when genocide's happening, an armed guard at every school, I don't think solves anything. I think that's just a Band-Aid and it's a political, you know, appeal, if you will. It, it's a much greater issue. And until that's basically addressed, uh, you know, what happens when you spend 70 grand, you don't help out other countries facing genocide mm -hmm. and another murder happens uh, because there's been plenty of armed responses where those people didn't make it. Many of them end up sacrificing because those people generally have a one shot uh, weapon versus a semi-automatic. So uh, again, I, I think that's a political tool. There's a bigger issue. I'm not saying you're not saying that, but I don't think that solves anything, let alone at the expense of humanitarian aid. That's my opinion. I, I think I'm with Brendan and I understand what he's saying. And I'm, I'm going to follow up just a little bit. Um, I'm a little older than most of you guys. And I grew up in a time when it was still very segregated in the U.S. And I used to not get it when the older folks would not fall in line. They still held on to their segregation ideals. And, and they held to a belief that, that they were correct. And I am 55 years old, and I will tell you that if nothing else was accomplished, I now believe we have to we have to explore the options. And it and I'm, I was a guy that would have never said that before. We There's a New York Times article, sorry, that discusses just this that this school had even prepared for school shootings. It it consistently has shown it does not stop rampages. It, it, it's not effective. I, I know it's something nice to say, but in my opinion, it's, it's, it's a waste. I just well, don't understand how you, like, I don't know what the school security is in that situation, but, I mean, I can't even get into my daughter's school without a button and, like, a face security thing and, like... Yeah. Well, if you have an AR-15, I, mean, I, I bet you can... But who who was no, shot? Like, think, think, think about that though. If you have an AR-15, you can get in there, and no one else can because you've just got in. But if you if you go to press a button or you start shooting a, a window with AR, why weren't all those people killed? Like I don't. He got in some other way. Like he just went through the back door. But Robbie's point is, if if it is locked, I just blast it open. You know, like yeah, of course, or, or yeah, like, force somebody. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah like, agreed. The security then, wasn't great. Then the security could show I, I, up. I just and, found out you know. what Fortnite was over here with my niece and nephew. Yeah, he's got the action. He just knocked the door down. Like that's what how he get in. Like yeah, yeah but it, it's it, you know it's not going to happen. Instance, it's not like a surprise. You know something's happening, and then if you have security on the premises, the proper security, then they swarm and contain the situation. Right. Ironically, in 2020, law enforcement officers from five different agencies converged inside the hallways of a school in Uvalde, Texas. Their guns drawn, role playing how they would halt a gunman. Supposedly they were prepared. Uh, this kid did basically walk in a back door. It, where there's a will, there's a way in my opinion, but you're right. Yeah. The security, you don't, I mean, we have to get buzzed into an office and get a, a badge or something. Uh, but yeah, and uh, again, the, the local response is very troubling. Uh, yeah, they basically even, said, those kids yeah. in those two classrooms uh, are dead. He's in there barricaded, the further loss right. of life, we don't wanna worry about. 
Man, um, I've been no, I've there, been, there there like people, that. I've been to Nashville Airport where the security line is almost the parking to where you drop people off. You drop someone there with an AK-15, the security does not matter. Like the the point is the fire, the access to the mass weapons of destruction. I'm not saying you ban all weapons, but people can't have access to these weapons that police are so terrified to confront. I know, because which they, comes it comes back to the background checks, and that's the biggest problem here. There have been several of these people that have had signs of mental issues or problems that are going on that are red flags, and somehow they can still buy a gun. Like that is just unfathomable to me. A gun in general, yeah. you're yeah, right. You know, but, no, but so in 1994, automatic weapons, get rid of them. In, all. in 1994, there was a background check for guns. Since the, and it expired in 2004. Since then, there's a 243 percent increase in mass shootings because that background check expired. And that's all on the people in Washington, and they Amen. they need it's, to. It's not an infringement on a political it, constitutional right, and that's yeah, how it's regardless, regardless of political views, if there's stricter, yeah, just stricter background checks, it would cut this in half, if not more. Just yes, you can't have a kid posting on Facebook. I'm going to shoot up or do whatever he said. Then yeah, no big deal, and then. Oh yeah, go then, get two guns. can flag you for saying the, the wrong thing, but they can't flag that. Hey, my mom's been in Facebook jail for something. What I is that? Remember, I can't remember what she said, but she was in Facebook jail. But yet, an eighteen-year-old can go post something, go get two AR-15s, a thousand rounds of ammo, and shoot up a school. And with Facebook all their jail. billions of dollars in technology, they should alert the local police if something like that comes. Yeah, up. like come There's on. There should be some kind of photo recognition. I don't believe when he showed those two guns on Instagram that he said any words, because I'm sure a lot of words were flagged. But like you guys said, the guy's name itself should flag something. Absolutely. Um, I don't give a crap. Like, what are we doing? You know, yeah. His parents, they said they didn't know. Um, and that's another issue. You know, this that's day and age, problem. all of a sudden, and kids, social media. I make it a point to try to get involved. I don't know jack about most of these things, Twitch and but I'm trying to learn. And when my kid's well, on the video games, he does not get on a headset. But that's besides well, the point. I, and, and Randall, well, and that's, I, that's I, our I responsibility. I, I was shocked. You, you can buy an AR-15 with zero, zero down financing. What? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we doing here? At least make it to get than a, than a car. Yeah, it, no, I, I was at the boat show. I couldn't buy a pontoon for zero down. It should be harder <laughs> to buy a gun than it is to get a driver's license, and it's not. Or a pontoon boat. Or, or a, pontoon a, pontoon boat. Boat. a pontoon boat. But yeah, the beauty hey. of this, the one good thing, about, hey, there's nothing good out of this. But I no, think it's a tragedy, yes. Everybody in this little group right now represents a political we're on all edges of the political spectrum and if we agree that we have to have stiffer background checks we have to eliminate limit access to certain things certain weapons certain types of things we have to improve if we 
as four individuals with vastly different political backgrounds can come to that conclusion. Our elected officials should be able to and provide safety for our kids. Exactly. It's not that at hard. Least, it's a at least debate it. At least talk yes. about it. Like it, Just do something. Like yeah, what something. We, we just did. To, Brandon, I love I love you now. Just try something. Just something. Just, just move yeah. forward. Whether it, whether it whether it's put guns in blue and, or in silly putty and make them yeah, take I don't care what it is. Like, do something. Don't doing nothing is I'm not soft. the answer. And that's what we're doing right now is nothing. Yeah. One thing you can Google is the senators that have taken the most amount of money from the NRA and their lobbying. Their lobbying is still very potent. Um, oh, uh, it's, Mitt, it's Romney quite, rolled, Mitt Romney's rolling in the cash. Right, yeah, Romney's approaching 14 mil from them. Uh, that's crazy. It and we all know what that money goes to, you know. It, and I, I'll end this with this. I live in the very – I live in the definition of the suburb, suburbs is what I tell people. I live in the most suburb, suburb of the town we all live in. If you look up middle, lower middle class, working class neighborhood, it's me. And my daughter goes to a very much middle class. And we had a gun in our school on the second day brought by a student. And, and nothing, I mean, my daughter in the sixth grade, her sixth grade memory right now is a classmate brought a gun to school. It, it's a shame. There's a lot of other issues like bullying and whatnot. I mean, there's no direct correlation, but. It's just crazy. And then, you know, if a kid has no friends and wants to go out, then a lot of them sadly want to copycat and do bigger. And you don't want to say better ever, but it, it's just a matter of headlines. And again, we go into bullying and the media coverage, blah, blah, blah. I don't know the answer. It starts with guns in the NRA uh, worth 50 million. I think last reported, not to mention how many people get in on bills. I, I said it wouldn't get political, but it shouldn't be that hard as a human being, not as a politician yeah. or a voter. It's not about our political spectrum right now. It's yeah. about protecting your child. And it's my responsibility as an adult to, to do the things to protect your child. It's my responsibility to protect your Brandon's child. It's not about politics no more. And you know no. what we already do? Anybody that makes it a bit about politics, don't vote for them. We've got well, to protect our well, children. No, and I mean, honestly, like, Think like when I text you, Randall, I was like, "Are we going to talk about this?" I mean, my thought was, I was like, "I'm the only one without a kid," and um, but I just thought about it for y'all. I mean, like I can't imagine. Like I mean, I put try to put myself in your position. Like, like yeah, like sending your kids to schools is freaking dangerous, and that's got to stop. Yeah, scary. Yeah, and you um, know, it. it it's. I used to be afraid for my daughter to come home and be at home by herself, and I'm feel I call her now to make sure she's home, because I feel like she's at home by herself. She's safer than in school, and that's that's a real tragedy. That's I, sad. I heard this one recording, um, and and then we'll, we'll, I'll stop after this. But it was a dad. Um, telling his daughter, like, you know, what happened in Texas. And the daughter says something to the effect of, 
aspect of, well, yeah, there's only three good hiding spots in the class. Those are taken up in like the first five seconds. So you're just free for your own. And it's just like, are you serious? Like, like that's your instinct of a shooter comes in and there's only three good hiding spots in the class. Like, like we have to do better as society. We do. And I have guys- to talk to my daughter yet. I have not had the guts to. I am, um, but I haven't. Did you guys see the story about the broken-hearted husband, his wife, Irma Garcia? Yes. And he yeah. had a heart attack two days after. Um, literally a broken heart. I mean, un, I, I just know words and, and think about everyone, let alone that family. And our, even so our three, four, kid, four kids now without parents. Uh, the, our friends up at the Speakeasy 330 here on River City Media, they had a shooting a, a last fall in a school very much close to their community where several kids were killed. And I mean, uh, it, it's it's not, we're now all, we now all know somebody that's affecting and that's becoming a national epidemic. Nancy Reagan once said, you know, say no to drugs. And Ice-T said it didn't become a problem until it hit the white suburbs. Well, everybody now knows it's a problem, period. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, uh, we'll wrap it up. We didn't mean to go this long, but thank you for having the courage to say that and discuss that with us. Uh, any last words about sports or anything else? Um, home, but let's start with our man Rod Meta from the West Coast, and now home to Fred Belitnikoff winner Jordan Addison. <laughs> uh, yeah. After that discussion, it's hard to switch gears. Uh, I love Lincoln Riley, uh, number one transfer class, twenty-one kids and counting. They had fifty-five kids when he came in, uh, evaluated the roster, and basically told some kids that you, you know you could stay, but you're not going to be able to play here. And I respect that they honored scholarships if they wanted the kids left, but yeah, it's uh, pretty excited about that. It's the first time we've been excited. And we thank you for excited. Mr. Brew McCoy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank title nine and brew being a dummy and USC being oversensitive in my opinion. Uh, although title nine, if I stand by it hundred percent, Brew McCoy is awesome. He's a beast. He uh, we're going to miss him, even though we have, uh, the best receivers. Ohio State had them last year. We got them this year. But again, we're excited about football for the first time in 20 years. So, Smith and Jigba might be a little better. And Mario Williams and the Bolitnikoff winner, and five other guys, including like two five stars. But yeah, that, that one dude is awesome, but it doesn't matter. I'm just excited. <laughs> I just like messing with you. All right, Ohio State. Cares, you know. They're both great. Uh, man, just, you know, not to harp back on what we were talking about, just God, something's got to change. Like, do something. Like, please. Like, we're all different political views. It's not about politics at this point. It's not. It's about care less about politics. It's about protecting us as humans in America. Like, come on. Let's do something. Something. Try something. Like, yeah. I can't say it enough. Robbie Davis, first of all, tell your loving wife all and four that, of us. Second half. Celtic second half. 
Sorry. Celtic second half. Uh, Robbie, uh, send send to Allison are all all of our thoughts and and love. First for putting up with you and her to feel better uh, too. Yeah, no, it's 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 been a uh, a long uh, an interesting vacation. If you want to call it a vacation? It hasn't been much of one. Uh, we've been quarantined for most of the time. But thank you for that. I will pass on the long word. Um, and I echo Brandon's statement of do something, anything, try something. Something's got to change. Um, I'm going to go bet your nuts. Um, I really like – so NASCAR's in Charlotte this weekend – um, I really like Ryan Blaney this weekend. He won the all-star race. I think that car was amazing. Not very little damage was done to it. Uh, I really think Blaney's going to, he's going to 12 to one. So, uh, bet your nuts, Ryan Blaney, 12 to one. All right. Annalise college friends taking a blow from uncle Robbie. <laughs> I will bet your nuts on nothing because I'm not prepared, but I will be watching the SEC. Better than chain Celtics bet. Uh, yeah, I'll, know, I'll, I'll jump like on. That. I'll jump on the Celtics bet, but uh, I will kinda be like watching that. SEC baseball this weekend. And uh, everybody, just like grab your kids, give them an extra hug tonight. Yeah, man, life's too short. It's a yes. crazy world we live in. We will be back at our normal time next week and with all four of us, hopefully, and all not sick. And for Randall, Robbie, Raj, and our boy, Brandon Chain, good night.